Welcome to this week's very special bonus episode of The Last Refuge. I'm your friendly neighborhood Taryn, also known as Bria, and with me I have... Lydia, also known as Bizdira. Are you mocking me? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, last week, I have no idea what happened because we have no idea when these will be released and in what order they will be released, but here we are. I am The Last Refuge's biggest fangirl, made even worse by my maternity leave. If you want to fight me about that, tweet at me. We can go at it. Anyways, we all know how distracted and sidetracky I like to get, so buckle up for some fun. I am about to go in-depth with our players, DM Jazzy Hands, and the ever-elusive story consultant Robert Huff in individual bonus episodes. Today, how many times will I tell Lydia her ideas are wrong? Will I get her to sing? And will I have to once again make a public apology to Lydia? Let's find out. <laughs> I I think all of these things are going to happen all the time. Maybe Wait, not the I'm singing gonna, part. Oh, I was going to say, you're agreeing to singing? No. No, that's the only one that's just not going to happen. Well, I think I'm going to get you to sing. That's all I have to say. Uh, okay. We'll, so... We'll uh, I'm gonna, so we don't know which order these are being released in. Um, so I'm gonna kind of tell you what's going on and then we'll go from there. Um, well, first, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Just peachy. Oh, okay. so good. Are you so scared? Uh, well, I, I'm still kind of reeling over re-listening to my death. Oh my gosh. I was <laughs> like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, so spoiler alert. This is being recorded after Bizdira's death, um, uh, one day after we re-listened to it, which is crazy. And I actually didn't – I wasn't a big part of that episode because my internet was being so terrible that I didn't hear – like, I, I was logging on and logging on and logging on and I kept missing things, which is why it's such a smooth episode and nobody's interrupting <laughs> each other. <laughs> but um, – and then I just logged on and I heard, oh, you kill me outright. And I was like, what, what happened? <laughs> so what these are – I wrote like 50-something odd questions to go through with everybody. <laughs> we won't go through all of them, but we're going to hit a good amount. And then I have like extra little bonus ones for each of you. But you – probably you and Eugenio are the two most difficult – you are probably going to be the most difficult for me, I think, because we know each other so well. Yeah. So it feels kind of silly to ask you some of these questions, but the listeners don't know you as well as I know you. Fair enough. So let's start by talking about your feelings. Um, how? Oh, no, we have to do one more thing. I'm so sorry. Um, I asked you to prepare a D20 for me. Yes. Um, if you could please, uh, you're going to roll your D20. I'm going to roll my D20. Um, and this is going to tell us how well this interview is going to go for each of us individually. Okay. <laughs> Oh my god. What'd you get? I got a nine. I got a 19. This is going to go great for me. <laughs> I, Best uh, interview so ever. This is, this is a third one that I'm doing, and my number has gotten progressively worse for each of these. <laughs> you would think that it's going to get better, but no. So yeah, so let's talk about your feelings. Um, okay. How do you feel about our D&D relationship? Because as you've said previously... <laughs> Uh, what did you call us? It's not besties. You called us uh, biffles, biffles, which I used in real life. Uh, yeah. You called us biffles. <laughs> so since we're biffles, how do you how do you feel about our relationship during D and D? As in like Bria's and Bizdira's, or like Schwartzy and Vistra's, or like our numerous characters that we've played against each other or with each other? Well, that's actually kind of, that was like my follow up question. So how do you feel about like, am I always a bully? Have I always been a bully <laughs> to you? Or is it just this podcast? I think it's just this one. Like, I feel like Schwartzy and Vistra have a weird kind of like, um, understanding of each other and affection for each other because Schwartzy's such a nerd and kind of an outcast and Vistra's just like, I'm going to protect my nerdy friend. And I think that Schwartzy can get behind that. Whereas with Bria and Bizdira, I think Bizdira has this very, um, I don't give a fuck attitude. And I think that Bria has that to a degree because she's a rogue, but I think she has is like a little bit more intense with the things that she does care about, which just kind of clashes with Bizdira. And then like Bizdira and like, we just make 
snarky comments and then it's just gotten progressively worse and worse and worse as the time has come to the point where Brie is just like I don't trust anything you say anymore which or is don't. true yeah which is silly because like Bastyr is pretty like honest and blunt about whatever like she'll just tell you how she feels especially like even when we were just talking about your drawing and I was like <laughs> I called it a crude map um <laughs> It's, she's just being honest. It's not like she just doesn't have a filter. And I think that it is pushed Bria's buttons to a degree that now she's just like, meh, whatever. I, I do. I like agree with that. So I, I think that it's like this. Both of us are really these characters are both really stubborn and both always think that they're right. <laughs> um, and don't have because a lot of times in a D&D campaign, you get this like family camaraderie that happens, mm-hmm. um, which even though we're family, I don't feel like has happened as much with this. And part of it probably is because, like, Brea was separate for a while. Um, right. But also because we, we have, like, this very specific – one specific goal that must be completed and all these tasks are towards one goal instead of, like, oh, we have to defeat this small group of people and then this one and all of this. But maybe we'll start to see a little bit of a shift now that Bizdira has died. Maybe Brea is going to, like, start to – you know, think more about how she cares about her buddy. I can't promise anything. <laughs> I wouldn't expect that. Um, <laughs> I find it interesting because I don't think that Bizdira needs to be right all the time, but I think that she does want to be heard. And I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of it is that, and it's happened in the past where you've been like, no, 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 you're wrong. And then you explain the same thing that I was trying to say. And you're like, oh, I just wasn't listening. So I think mm-hmm. that that is more like what, irks Bizdirov is like, this bitch is trying to pull off her own ideas, though they're my ideas, and this is some bullshit. <laughs> um, so I think it, I don't think it's about being right. It's just about being heard as like having an opinion because she grew up in a monastery where they didn't really talk and like anything that she wanted or anything that she thought was irrelevant. See, and as you were talking, I just heard you say it was an elephant, and that's just a perfect example <laughs> of how much oh, I listen. It's, it's, if you weren't the oldest, I would say that you were the youngest just trying to annoy me. So I'm assuming that, that a lot of this, like, wanting to be heard stuff is, is because of your brothers, correct? Like, real life? I'd say maybe a little bit, but I also think, like, it's, it's a, and it's funny that we're talking about this because I'm writing a speech for school and I'm, it's making me think a lot about all this stuff. And I think what it actually comes down to is just the fact that I was incredibly shy for majority of my life and still am very shy. Mm-hmm. And there's been plenty of times in my life where I've been in a group and I've tried to say something, a story or whatever, and just get interrupted and get talked over. And it's, it's frustrating and finding your voice in any way, whether it be just as an adult, as a character or finding strength to speak up. It's really hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really interesting how it's coming out more and more in different ways and different aspects of my life. That's one of the things that I really love about D&D is it it has like I will notice as I'm starting to play a new character the similarities that all of my characters have, which I think are just my baseline, like the things that I just normally go to. What Do do you have like, I mean, I know quite a few of your characters, but do you yeah. have like that baseline of stuff that you notice about all of your characters? Yeah, they are aspects of what I want to be more like. Oh, I like that. I go with my insecurities. So that's, that's so nice. <gasps> yeah, no, it, for me, it's a, <laughs> it's finding a strength. I'm gonna cry a sec. But for me, it's all like, you know, they're a little bit weird, like my ballerina bard dwarf, um, <laughs> or they're awkward and feisty, like Vistra, my little barbarian halfling gnome. <laughs> you know, like they, they tend to be a little bit more outspoken. They tend to be fierce. They're warriors. They're don't give a shit. They are stubborn as all hell, which I know I'm stubborn too, but like not as I, I give in too easily. Like this, they are just no, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think for my characters is not so much about finding like my insecurities and trying to work through that. It's more about finding the strength that I want to portray in my life outside of D&D. Do you think that in your years of playing, 
you have gotten more strong because of it? And sometimes some aspects, yeah. One of the things recently was um, one of my coworkers was driving me nuts and kept pushing me and kept pushing me. And finally, there was one night I just blew up on him and I turned around and I was like, stop fucking touching me. I fucking hate you. I've asked you God knows how many times and I, I stood my ground and I, I like went, I went off on him several times. And like, it was one of those things where I, I wasn't being heard and I just like couldn't deal with it anymore. And I blew up on him several times before I finally, cause it was one of those things where he's like, Oh, I just, it's just, you know, we were just playing around. I'm like, no, you're not fucking listening to me. I am not enjoying this. I'm not having fun and you need to stop. And I finally had to bring my boss into it, but it was a matter of like, someone mentioned it the other day, like, Oh no, you're just going to blow up. Fuck you, Andre. <laughs> like turn around and like, <laughs> just say what I, how I felt because I was, I was feeling really disrespected and really abused. And I don't think that, um, this was something that I would have been able to do years ago, but I found the strength and I found that I didn't have the tolerance for it at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, you know? Yeah. Do you, so let's, I, I want to go like all the way back to tiny Lydia. Um, you were not born in New York, but you were like, I I literally put like in quotes, like born and raised in New York because you spent the majority of your life in New York, which is actually like, even though a lot of kids do it, is actually this really rare thing to find someone who lived the majority of their lives in New York. Right. So tell me, and you don't have to give me like a super long answer because obviously all of our histories are very long. Um, but tell me like what it was like being a little Lydia and growing up and all of that. Well, imagine shy little me in New York meant that for a good portion of my life, I didn't leave the house. Like, I get that, just, girl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was it was interesting because, like, I think in a lot of ways it made me very strong, but I also think that it fed into a lot of my insecurities and a lot of my shyness. And, like, there was definitely, like, a lot of time I didn't want to leave the house. I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. But in the same respects, it's like I – knew the subway system better than my parents did at nine years old because I just stared at the map and I knew all the stops on our line and like I knew how to get places like when we were when I was little when we go out to dinner it'd be like they'd give me the address and I'd be like okay we're going to Prince Street so we have to get on the end and we're going to take it da, 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 and I'd count out the stops and be like we're going to take it this stops and we're going to get off here and we're going to go this way and that way like I I just had this great idea of like how to get where we needed to go and even like I remember my parents gave me a lot of freedom in the sense of like you're allowed to ride the subway as like a small child if you want to to meet up with us like not for any other reasons but like you can come to meet us halfway and they would tell me where I needed to go and I would just like laser focus that's where I'm going I wouldn't pay attention to anything else so much so that I actually walked past my mom on the street (laughs) because I was like I have to get to her office this is the way she told me where to go but as I got older it also became like a very toxic environment for me as well that I had to navigate and eventually get out of and sometimes I still feel like I'm getting out of it to a degree because I did meet some people in that part of my life that were great people and that I still care about today, but there is still those aspects of that toxicity with people that they still talk to people that I have zero interest in having anywhere near me or any aspect of my life. So it's, it's been an interesting thing because, and and I think the, the biggest thing for me is that because I wasn't born there and because I was maybe seven or eight when we moved, like that first few years of my life still ingrained a lot of that environment for me. So I always kind of like to say like, I can be a Southern Belle, but I also can be a fucking New Yorker hard ass. Don't fuck with me kind of thing. Like, so there's a, I feel like I'm like, have this nature fighting within me of like, I want to be really nice all the time, but also go to hell. I've got my own shit going on. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, you did. Okay. <laughs> Did your did your parents know that the people that you were hanging out with to some degree? I mean, I was dating some of them, so they met them and were like, "Oh, fuck." But one of the things I'll never forget my mom said to me. She'd been having a talk with my dad about my one of my boyfriends at the time and he was like, "This guy needs to go." And she's like, "Yes, but Lydia has to make that call. Mm-hmm. If we push her, she's just going to go further into it. She needs to figure it out." And I did. And you know, it took a little while, 
But I got there and the next one was not better. But after that, they got progressively better. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I, I think that she was right in doing that because I think that if she had pushed me, it would have pushed me further towards him. As with all kids, especially yeah. when you're in like those teen years too. Right. It's all about rebellion. It's all about going against your parents and doing your own thing. And, you know, I felt like I had a family, which with some of them was true, but with the vast majority was a load of horseshit. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as a teenager, you don't know what to look for. You don't know how to figure it out. And I think that I got really lucky where the worst of it happened within a span of two to three years. And then I started getting better and I got away from most of it and started working and got a different set of toxic people in my life that, you know, was much smaller. Yes, you. Yay. (laughs) Um, But that's what I'm saying. Like, I I grew out of the toxicity and and found a group of people that were better. And of course, there were still some toxic people. I'm sure you remember some of them as well. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, like, I knew what to look out for. And I, my way of reading people got a lot better because of it. Do you, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you, who introduced you to like the fantasy realm? I feel like it's always been a part of my world. Did both of your parents, like, were they into that? I wouldn't say it came from either of my parents. Definitely my oldest brother, like, I remember him playing D&D when I was a kid. Growing up when we were still pretty young, we played a lot of Magic the Gathering. Uh, like, a lot. I had a sick black and blue deck. It was great. <laughs> also played with Pogs, for those yes, of you of that remember Pogs. I feel like I've always kind of enjoyed fantasy and sci-fi. One friend years ago got me into reading Laurel K. Hamilton, uh, which is all vampire stuff, werewolves, all that fun stuff. Um, You're a really big reader too. Yeah, yeah. You do a lot of reading. Like you always are sending me books and I'm like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) I barely have time for it and I try to do it. But you know what helps? Four hours in a tattoo chair gets you through a lot of a book. (laughs) Which you did yesterday. Which I did yesterday. We'll have to post a picture on our twitter and our instagram when she's finished it's beautiful yes. another month so you so we so this is kind of like our new york background so let's mm. insert me my favorite topic of um, course. not really <laughs> um i want you i made you do this the other night and i started interrupting because me um but i actually really like your version of this better so i want you to tell our love story okay so our love story starts at a restaurant in Chelsea. And I've always been somewhat pessimistic in nature. And I think I was more so then. But in walks this gangly little blonde who just looks like an alien. You're so skinny. I was so like, skinny. So skinny. And I did so not pale. have like an eating disorder or anything like that. No. I was very she skinny. She was just itty bitty. And I had very, very blonde hair. I like was dyeing my hair very blonde. Yeah. So here comes this little girl, just all shiny eyed and like, oh, it's big city. <laughs> and this is the only time you'll get me to sing. She would come up to me and be like, I wrote a song for you. Want to hear it? La, 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 I wrote that just for you. And I was like, great. Thanks. Weirdo. <laughs> and she kept doing it, kept doing it. And finally, one day I turned to her. I was like, one of these days I'm going to tape your mouth shut. And we started this uh, thing at work. And it was a barbecue joint. And it was like, all you can eat barbecue. And it was a disastrous mess of a thing. We were expecting so much and like no one showed up for it. But we had these metal pitchers. Nobody tipped us. Nobody tipped us. It was ridiculous. So we had these metal pitchers to use for sodas to do refills and shit like that, which it still doesn't make sense to me. We served 32-ounce jars of soda. You really need a refill on that? I don't think so. Anyway, topic for another day. But they were metal, so it's like we can't really figure out, like, we can't tell. So I was trying to label them, and I had some duct tape. And overwalks Taryn, and I don't remember what she was saying to me. She wasn't singing to me. She was actually telling me about something. And I just, like, had a light bulb flash as I was writing diet on this duct tape. And I calmly put down the pitcher and the marker. And I pulled out the duct tape. And I pulled out a strip, ripped it off, turned, and just put it right over her mouth. And she just stopped and looked at me for about 20 seconds with this, like, what? Kind of look (laughs) at her eyes. And then slowly peeled the tape off. It was like, I just had this thought of, like, writing 
what can I get for you on the tape <laughs> and working with that on my mouth all night long. And we just fell into a fit of giggles and we've been friends ever since. It helped when she moved into my neighborhood too. We were blocks away from each other. Yeah. So that was and that, that solidified everything. Yeah, because it's it's very easy when you literally live blocks from each other. And we've had many, many memories since. Uh, well, I was going to ask you this later, but since we're on the topic, um, what's your favorite memory with me? Oh, God. I know wow. you have to pick just one. I feel like we're going to have to come back to this because I like obviously duct taping your mouth shut is one of my favorites. And there's been so many nights of drunken shenanigans. You know what? I, I think... <laughs> I think I do know one of my favorites was when um, we didn't uh, trick you into going golfing. You think that we did. So oh. my boyfriend, Mick, and I <laughs> decided to go to uh, Pitch and Putt, which out in Flushing in Queens is a three-par, like, nine-hole golf course. It's small. You can have a beer, but it's it's a great, like, starter golf. And he was like, hey, you know, should we invite Taryn and Keith? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I texted Taryn. I was like, hey, Mick and I are going to the pitch and putt. Do you guys want to come? And she's like, well, Keith's working, but yeah, I'll go. Thinking it was mini golf. It was pitch and putt. It's mini golf. It's Who? not. It's pitch and putt. It's not mini oh, golf. Real golfing. And so, <laughs> so we go. And she's like, what? the hell is this? Where are the windmills? Where are the clowns? This is not mini golf. And we're like, uh, duh. Of course it's not mini golf. And so we're like, they sell beer. It's fine. So we're drinking beer. And at one point she's like, wait, golfers wear their sweaters over their shoulders. It's like tied around their neck. So I have to do that and I'll get better. So she does that and (laughs) gets a little bit better. But I did. I did. My favorite part about the story actually has nothing to do with you, but the fact that you were there for it just makes it that much better. Yeah. <laughs> so we're about halfway through. We've had several beers at this point. And I go to swing. Me and Taryn are at the same edge, but my boyfriend is up a little bit closer. And I realize <laughs> too late that the ball's headed straight for him. And I say, look out. And then he just like looks like he gets shot in the back when the ball hits him square in the middle of the back. And he's like, arms go back, chest flies out. And he says, he turned around and just saw me and Taryn on the ground, <laughs> just <laughs> dying of laughter. And so, yeah, Big doesn't take me to pitch and putt anymore. <laughs> but, yeah, that's one of my favorite uh, Taryn moments because even though she was very disappointed that it was not mini golf, she still was like, I'm going to make this work and we're going to do this. We're going to put the sweater on because this is going to make me golf better. And it's that go with the flow kind of like – we're going to make this into something fun kind of attitude that I think is what makes us friends. Yeah, that was really sweet. You ended that really nicely. But there's many, there's plenty of other stories. We don't have enough time for that. We yeah, haven't even no. talked about The Last Refuge yet. We're 30 <laughs> minutes in. Let's let's talk about The Last Refuge, shall okay. we? What has your... Well, okay, we're going to do something fun first. I do not have permission to do this, um, but I would like you to create something. It can be... A plant, an animal, an, a name for an NPC, um, a magic spell, whatever you want. Create something that you want DM Jazzy Hands to integrate into the Last Refuge world. Oh, what is that thing from the Dark Crystal? It's like a fizz gig, like a little, like no a little idea. pal. It's gonna be for Kit, obviously, Aww, but like what a nice gift. I know, but because I was like, oh, I want a fizz gig. I've also for some reason been thinking about the Dark Crystal lately, but no, it's uh, the fizz gig. Did you? You've never seen the Dark Crystal, right? No. I'm just going to show you a picture of the fizz gig. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a little furry thing, but it's friends with one of them, and he has this big, giant mouth. (gasps) He's like, ah! (laughs) But he's like a little puppy. So it's like like a a familiar... Kind of, yeah. That's why I said he's going to have to be for Kit, because he'll have to be a friend. But yeah, look, he's got like rows of teeth in the back. He's oh just like God. a little pal. Okay, so we're adding a fizz gig in. We're, we're adding a fizz gig. And I actually, on and a he gets his own that, initiative role. Right. My old boss got a puppy named him fizz gig, and he looks just like fizz gig. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Very cute. Not as many teeth. It's probably for the best. Yeah, probably. 
But yeah, I want a fizz gig. Okay, so fizz gig, he gets his own initiative roll, deals 1d6 in damage. And um, piercing oh, damage because okay, he's going to bite. Okay, 1d4. I'll say 1d4 because he's, a, yeah, of bite, of bite damage. And But then if he clamps on, he can stay clamped through the, until he until he receives damage. And he deals one point of like slobber damage because yeah. he's going to slobber a lot. Yeah. Okay. Great. Speaking thanks, of DM. Kit. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for adding that in. Uh, speaking of Kit, uh, if you had to choose between the three of our characters, who would you, and you had to play one of the three of us instead of Bizdira, who would you choose? That is another tough one. So we've talked about this several times in playing. I am not a magic user. I am 100% a melee fighter. My characters are all fighters, barbarians. Um, this is my first real time playing a monk, but I like to get down and dirty. So in that sense, I like to think of the rogue and be like, well, maybe I could play Bria. But at the same time, I feel like I couldn't do Bria as well as you do. Because that character is just shifted in my mind so much that it's just, it's part of you. Mm -hmm. 100%. But watching uh, Karin play Kit has been really fascinating because I've never really experienced a druid before. And Mm -hmm. I love the idea of wild shapes. So I would probably have to go Kit just because like I just want to turn into things. Well, I mean, you could turn into things and then still get in in the fight. You know what I mean? Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like I could turn into a freaking bear and just start swiping the shit out of people. And that makes me incredibly happy. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, it would have to be Kit. Sorry, Flick. I don't. I can't do clerics. No, I've done one no. once, and I'm, I think you know. I think Alex is very aware of that, though. I think yeah. he's aware that that is his assignment for the rest of his life. We started um, it with clerics, and never again. Yeah, nothing he's, else. He's just stuck there forever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. He's happy. Um, <laughs> who's your favorite NPC? I don't know. I mean, we definitely have like a friendliness with arts. We've grown to like drinks as well um are we thinking of like friendly or or foe either as much as i hate him i think i have to go with cigara that's so funny nemesis i know <laughs> well so here's the thing so cigara was named he was picked out of a poll right for mm. out of our listeners or our fans uh names and cigar is the last name of a friend of mine who i used to work with who it's interesting because it took him a while like he tried to be really friends with me like right off the bat and i was like what the hell's wrong with you? Stay away from me. Um, and it took me it's a, a while to theme in your life, right? Like I, it took me a while to warm up to him because he reminded me a lot of the toxic, toxic people I had a lot in my teenage years. And I was like, I don't need that shit. And as it turned out, like he ended up just worming his slimy way into my heart and I adore the guy now and one of my favorite nights with him was my last night working that job it was him and another guy that we worked with who has since passed away and it was such a great night and not at all what I expected so when he became Zagara in our show like I was really happy I was like yes I love this guy and then he turned out to fucking be annoying as shit and like well now i want to kill him so it's it's kind of like a balancing act of like oh it's like how my relationship with was him but reversed (laughs) (laughs) so like it's i think that's why i just have like a fondness for him because he reminds me of my friend i like that a lot Hmm. you said um you said drinks how do you feel how do you feel about him now i think he's definitely more useful i think he's become more open to things more open to change more open to uh trying things in a way that he wouldn't have in the past and i appreciate the the change in him because you know huge could have easily just been like no this is the way he's gonna go 100 that's it but he's made it so that the character has evolved and evolved in a way that's in our favor, which is great. But it's it's just been interesting to watch him like actually change for the better, at least for us. Yeah, I well, I'm I'm gonna have my own one of these, so I'm gonna you're gonna have to listen to find out what I think of drinks. Um, are you but I, are you gonna I, ask I, yourself questions? Yeah, I was thinking so. I was thinking I was gonna set up all the questions and I was gonna talk to myself real casually. Uh, no, I think I am gonna have. That would be very boring. Uh, I think I'm going to have one of you interview me, but I haven't quite decided who yet. I'm a little afraid of it because I'm doing all of this to you guys, um, but I definitely need an episode. What if, what if the answer is no? Each interview you with only a small number of questions and then we put it all together. I thought about that. I thought about having you guys all um, 
like us actually setting up a recording and everyone bombarding me with my own questions. Um, <laughs> so we'll have to, well, I, I think we'll, we'll talk about it in the Slack and figure out what we want to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think overall, uh, uh, Huge and Robert are planning for this world? Mass chaos and destruction. Um, yeah, kind of made no, entirely by us. Right. So I don't know Robert super well. We did a, play test for a dungeon delve that never ended up happening because it was ridiculousness and then we ended up doing an escape the room which was like horror themed i think i don't remember but there was two rooms that we had to get out of and it was it was interesting because it definitely played to some of our different talents like you had to like sit down and play a tune at one point on a little piano and i was like oh that's great because i don't know piano and then like i had to stick my hand in a dark hole with different which you're very good at doing i'm fairly i'm good at doing that because they put like rubbery things to feel weird and i was like oh god i hate this but (laughs) i did it for the good of the room so like i i feel that robert is very analytical i also think that he just likes to have a little fun like i i will never forget this when we were doing like a quick little test of characters to see how we played together I don't remember what his character was, but it turned into a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> and I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. And I was like, okay, this is a thing that you could do. I love this. And I just, I feel like that perfectly sums up Robert where he's like, you have a system. I'm going to break your system and make it my own. <laughs> so like, I find it really interesting, the two of them working together, because I feel like you just very much like, I need everything to be the way I want it to be. And Robert's like, fuck that, we're doing this. <laughs> and like with the temple, like it's just been kind of nuts out there. And I don't really know what to expect because you've got the two of them going on. And I think that... I'm sure Yuge has this great idea of where he wants the story to go and how he wants it to end. And I just see Robert there being like, but what if we did it this way? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think it's challenging him to be a little bit more flamboyant with his storytelling. And I love it. I can't wait to find out. I'm so excited. <laughs> what's uh, What's been your favorite moment so far? Getting out of Silfson. So, no, but hear me out. So, obviously, I love the, I love fighting. Like, that's my favorite part. The whole, the, the acting portion of it, like the, all that, like role play. Yes. The role play is fine, but we know that usually you have to have some sort of diplomacy when it comes to role playing, and I'm never that good at it. I surprise myself sometimes, and I surprise everyone around me, Mm -hmm. but usually I like to roll the dice. I like to fight. I like to, I like that. I like the strategy of all that. But Silson was interesting because like we had this idea and like trying to figure it out and work together in this way of like, all right, how are we going to do this? What makes the most sense? Do we have the capability of doing it? Like it took role playing, but it also took the three of us really working together. In addition to that, I, I remember listening to it the second time and be like, how did we roll? Like this is the only time that we have ever rolled so well ever mm-hmm. and everything fits so perfectly and like even just the end and with you just cutting and editing and the sound effects like everything just came together so well like i was i was downright shook after that mm-hmm. episode like i was exhausted it was like seven o'clock in the morning when we were recording i'd only had like chocolate and like caffeine and i was like smart jittery to begin with yeah it was weird (laughs) jittery to begin with but like it was also just the intensity of everything happening in the episode and i remember like the entire day i was just like i i i i i I don't know (laughs) like i don't know what happened how did this i don't I, i just i can't function today and going back and listening to it when he was finished editing it was still like oh my god like i can't i i i don't know And I feel like I got more text messages from the friends that listened to that, to the show when that episode released than Mm -hmm. I have throughout anything else. Well, you also played the biggest role in kind of the finale of that too. Yeah. Um, Because I, I, all of you were texting me as this was happening and afterwards. And I, I think it was a week or two before he had the edited episode out. And so... I was just like waiting and none of you spoil, I assumed what happened, but none of you Mm -hmm. spoiled it for me. So listening to it on my side of just like all of these events falling into place Mm -hmm. and then you doing that, there is like this like mental breakdown that I think, because you had to make the decision to do what you did. And I think that like, 
for it's it's tough for me because I always have to remind myself that I'm not always Vistra and I'm not just the bloodthirsty little barbarian. So it was like part of me was fighting against that instinct of like, I have to do this because I'm Vistra and be like, no, no, I'm not Vistra. I'm Vistira. I am this other character who does still have a moral background and does still have her own set of rules. And like, yeah, she needs to get out. And this is the only way she sees it possible. And there's a point in the episode where I do something that you can't see. Um, but they were all like, oh, God, oh, my God. And I'll, I'll show it to you where basically she just like stabs and went like this. Like she the idea was that she stabs a knife into the neck and just wiggles, wiggles it, for lack of a better word, just like trying to create Uh, as much carnage uh. and damage as possible, not only to make sure that, A, he's fucking dead, but also because I think that she just, she doesn't want to lose control. She didn't, like, she hated being under this guy's power for so long that it was a matter of, like, I am going to make sure that you can never do this to me again. I'm going to make sure you can never do it to anyone else again. Like, I am going to kill you dead. And... Like, it was just super powerful and super um, painful at the same time, because I think that that spell probably may have made her feel as if there was some emotion attached to him. Sure. Even though it was all bad, but it's it was just really interesting how it came across for me as a human being personally rather than just as a player acting out a role well i think that that's i mean you are the one the one of us that is not in musical theater or theater in general right Um, and it does i mean that's one of the things I really like about D&D is it, it has, especially when you're in those role-playing elements, it has that feeling to it is that you you walk away with these actual things and you've actually, you know, emotionally experienced them. Um, and whereas we're used to that because we're like, yeah, when I sing this song, it makes me feel this way. Um, that's like a, a kind of new thing for you. It's not something mm-hmm. that you like go after like the rest of us do. We're like, oh, it would be cool to be Sweeney Todd or whatever the fuck. Um, right. All right, I'm going to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, <laughs> yes, um, with Sweeney Todd. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I am going to have you do another thing that I don't have permission for. Um, I want you to make up a rule for the random magic um, and what number it's going to be. I wish you'd given me some sort of like heads up on this so I could come up with something really good. I'm not good with coming up with things on the fly. That's the thing is I want your instincts. The funny thing, the first thing that I thought of was Kirby's Dreamland. I have no idea what you're talking about. So Kirby, because you're a heathen and don't know, was my favorite game growing up on Nintendo. And basically Kirby is this little marshmallow, like the pink marshmallow thing. Oh, I know who Kirby is. I'm just saying what, what... I, I don't know how the two relate. Uh, I just want something Kirby-esque to happen, whether it be like you can like ingest someone else's skill set or something like that. Like maybe it's that for 10 minutes they can wild shape or something like that, you know, or like one of my favorites was the UFO where you literally turn into like a little flying saucer and like can shoot lasers and stuff. I like where you're going with this though. I like, yeah. let's make it, Two minutes, because ten minutes is a very long time. Right. Um, so let's say like two minutes you get So there was a <laughs> there was another game that I played a lot when I was growing up called Carmageddon. Uh a little less well known. It was a car game. It was a racing game, but it was also a destroy everything game, which is <laughs> fritz you, with me. Yeah, uh-huh. So there's a couple things on there too that you could get. So one was called there's a barrel called drugs that you could get and for five seconds like your screen just went nuts. Right. But there was another one called Jelly Suspension, which is also kind of reminding me of Harry Potter right now, where like maybe you roll something and like the bone in your arm disappears for like two minutes. And you <laughs> just have this floppy thing or like you forget how to walk. So like you're just like you don't know which direction you're gonna go when you try to move or something like that. I like the I like the bone in the arm disappearing because that's a very simple thing to do. Let's make it mm-hmm. one minute. Okay. Because what if we're in the middle of? Because these are things that might happen to us. Right. So the bone in your arm disappears for a minute. In that case, because one minute is ten rounds. That's a long time. It's a long time. I actually kind of want more of like a like you just get like your maybe your vision gets flipped so like you don't really know which way to go. So say like for a minute, you have to roll maybe like a percentile or something to try to go the right direction. Okay. So we'll if let, you're trying- We'll let DM figure out like the logistics the, of it. The logistics, yeah. 
Okay, but so I, it's, I, it's vision shift. Yeah. And then what number is it going to be? It's going to be 42 because 42. I love Douglas Adams and 42 is the answer to life, the universe and everything. Oh, okay. Okay. One last TLR question and then I've got just a couple more. Um, Mary, Snog, or Kill, the Kobolds, the Orcs, and the Yuan-Ti? Kill the Yuan-Ti. <laughs> as much as I don't want to Snog an Orc. I mean, they are a matriarchal society, so marrying them, I could basically get up there and run them. Mm -hmm. And since we already killed the priestess, I think they're going to be pretty terrified. But nah, I'd have to marry the kobolds. They're just so much more peaceful. So I'll snog an orc for a minute. All right. That's fair. Knock one of them up and then you can still be their leader. It's fine. I've kissed worse. (laughs) Okay. I, you mentioned Harry Potter briefly. So let's just go back to that real quick because the important (laughs) questions. What is your Hogwarts house? Uh, well, I mean, you as a person already know that. I am a Hufflepuff. We got a whole 100%. lot of puffs. We got a whole, whole lot, lot of puffs. puffs. Poor huge, <laughs> surrounded by Hufflepuffs. Uh, not all of us are Hufflepuffs, actually. You're going to have to listen to the bonus episode to find out which one of us is not. Well, I can already guess. Shh, don't tell. I, I won't say. If you had all of the money in the world, what would a day in your life look like? And this is negating, we don't, like, it doesn't matter who you would donate to or any of that stuff like all the selfish stuff what would a day in your life look like or a week or whatever just like what would your life look like if you had all the money in the world i would be somewhere in europe somewhere i haven't been before like that's that's basically like if i had all the money in the world i would be traveling I'd be traveling the world. I would be doing all the selfless things, donating some money, making sure my family are set, making sure like my friends' childrens are set. Like, <laughs> but I want to see the world. Would you? Would you like? plant yourself like would it be like constant travel like every week you'd go to a new place or would it be more like all right i'm gonna go to france and eat all of the cheese and butter because you're obsessed with that um (laughs) french butter specifically so would it be like haven't been go to france and eat their butter she's obsessed she called me from there or texted me from there texted you wouldn't spend that much money so would it be like a month in each place would you like stay put kind of or, or is it more just about the act of traveling itself I think it would be probably a little of everything, like maybe a home base of... California. Well, (laughs) okay, like I wouldn't, A, I would have my ideal house in California, but I would also like... We go to Ireland, obviously. We go back to France, really explore France. We'd go to Germany. We'd go to Amsterdam, uh, Iceland, Norway, uh, Greece. Japan, Thailand, like I would want to spend a lot of time in different places, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't just spend like go to Berlin and spend like a week in Berlin and be like, all right, I've seen Germany. Like I'd want to go to the different cities and experience the different areas around there, you know, and go to the small little villages and get lost because that is some of my favorite parts of being of my time in France and in Ireland is being in those tiny little villages and being like, there's one pub here and everybody knows each other and they're looking at me weird. This is great. You know, I'd want to go to Australia, New Zealand, and like, I just want to see the world. I want to see what what is out there, you know. And I loved what I've seen so far, and I'm going to be in Portugal later this year, and it's super exciting as well, and I wish I had more time um, to spend there, but I'll take what I can get. So if you had, this is not something that you are going to do, um, but if you had a child, I don't know, eight months ago. Um, what, (laughs) what would you, what would you want? What, what's like the, the ideals that you would want that child to grow up with? I would want them to be curious, 100%, like ask your questions, figure out the world for yourself. I would want them to be independent, strong, crave life. I just, I, I feel like too many kids are just given a screen and told, here, watch this and that's fine. Like, I don't see, and I, because I work in a restaurant, like, and a fairly, not upscale, but like more upscale than like Denny's. It's one of those things where like when people come in, they come in dressed nice and like they bring their families on the weekends, but usually it's a date night. But some of the stuff, like the difference of children is amazing. Like sometimes you see these kids come in and they're just on the screen. They're climbing all over the furniture. They're running around. And then you have these families that come in. And their kids are sitting there reading a book. And that I absolutely adore. Not just because they're usually reading Harry Potter and I'm all about (laughs) that. But because, like, they're there and, like, they're willing to order for themselves. Like, I have kids that come in and eat. 
mussels and escargot. And I'm like, hell yes. Fuck yeah. Eat what you want. Try new things. Like, get out there. Like, that's what I want is I want to see kids exploring more. And I know sometimes it's hard. And I like, like you said, like, I don't want kids. So like, I don't think I'll ever have to deal with like picky eaters. But like, if you can, if you can figure out a way to get your kid to try new things to be like, curious about stuff. And like, it's so important because so many kids are just like, yeah, whatever, I don't care. And then they just like, what do they do? Nothing, you know, and we need the curious people because the curious people are what gets our gets people like Albert Einstein and these people that make a difference in the world in one way or another. I love that. I'm pretty big about no screen time so far. Well, not no screen time. She gets some. She loves Game of Thrones. Well, obviously, who wouldn't? That's an education. Right. And that's We call it the super fun horsey show. She also likes the boobs. (laughs) Well, of course, the boobs. Who doesn't like boobs? Um, But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's fun and everything. There's great shows out there and there's great entertainment and all that. But, you know, the biggest thing is reading a book like had an argument with somebody recently about how the general population isn't educated right now and i was like well right now people aren't reading anymore and Mm -hmm. one of the problems is like you go through time and you've had all these books banned and he's like well what books are banned i'm like i'm not saying that books are banned now but i'm saying they have been in the past and the problem with that is that it takes away education even if it's a fictional story it broadens your mind and makes you think deeply you know you look at books like 1984 and animal farm and these were like these are books that were absolutely 100 percent banned at one point or another by different cultures because of the the ideas that they had and like that's that's not okay that's people that's people trying to take away free thought and that's not okay you know Mm -hmm. you need to be able to think for yourself but it's hard when all you're given is this is how we do things in this way and that, and no one's ever done it anyway else. And it's like, well, no, yes, they have. And here's how to figure that out. Here's how to think in a different way. One of my favorite authors, Chuck Malanick, he wrote Fight Club. I absolutely adore all of his books. And the reason why is because every time I read one of them, when I finish, I sit there for about an hour and just like look at the world in a completely different way. Even if it's a book I've read five times already and it's just because like if you've ever seen fight club it's a little mind fucky and his writing is very mind fucky and he has these interesting ideas and these interesting concepts that you're just like whoa it's like your whole brain explodes and like it just as you crash your hand into the microphone (laughs) yeah no it's really gonna come out really well um yeah it's just amazing and i feel like you don't you don't get that from tv you don't get that from movies and things like that like you you can like there's some movies that again like if i'm ever feeling down or in a certain way like i watch la story because it's one of my favorite movies but it doesn't like it makes me happy but it doesn't change my perception of reality in the same way that a book will i think this is uh this is always my last question but it's very apropos for what we're talking about um what is the most profound advice you've ever been given or that you've ever read? I feel like there's so much. And so the first one that came to my mind is actually Dr. Seuss. And I have to look it up because I want the wording to be correct. And I feel like it's appropriate not only for me, um, but also for all of my characters. <laughs> I have heard there are troubles of more than one kind. Some some come from ahead and some come from behind. But I've brought... I've bought a big bat. I'm already, you see, now my troubles are going to have troubles with me. And I just found that very interesting because it's like, yeah, no, there's, there's shit everywhere. It's going to come at you from every angle. But if you have a bat, you're fine. It's like your troubles are not going to be that big of a deal. Like you, you have something to fight with. The other one, um, which is the quote that goes along with one of my tattoos is it's called a quandary and it sits at the bottom of the ocean worrying all day and all night, whether it's top sides, it's bottom or it's bottom side top, which to me just means that it's just constantly worrying whether it's head is in its own ass. And I feel like that's me a lot of times. Like if I'm not fighting against something, I don't know my head from my ass. And that's it's It's accurate. And that is where we're (laughs) going to leave it for this week. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's very special bonus episode of The Last Refuge. Be sure to keep an eye out for more special bonus episodes like this one and, of course, our regular episodes. You can reach out to the TLR team by leaving us a podcast review or by dropping us a line on Twitter and Instagram at at DND Last Refuge. That's at D, the letter N, D, Last Refuge. If you've got more than 280 characters to say to us, you can also email us at dndlastrefuge at gmail.com. If you want to know more about us as players, access our Patreon for bonus content, see some awesome fan art, find out what cons we'll be attending, and get links to other streams and podcasts where you can see us playing even more D&D, you can go to our website, www.dndlastrefuge.com. We want to thank BattleBards for providing a lot of the fantastic music you hear on our show, and D&D Beyond for being generally amazing in every way possible. Check out both of those services at battlebards.com and dndbeyond.com. I also want to send so much love and thanks to all of our patrons, and I hope I pronounce all of these correctly. I've already gotten a note on one of them. Hey everybody, DM Jazzy Hands jumping in here. This was recorded so long ago, which you could probably tell by some of the answers and questions that uh, we've listened to over the past hour, uh, but it was recorded so long ago that the list of names that Taryn read as our patrons is super out of date. Also, uh, spoiler alert, she still mispronounced some of them. So, uh, I'm jumping in to give you all a more accurate representation of all of our amazing patrons that we want to thank so much as of, what, 5.18pm? on March 3rd, 2020, which is when I'm recording this. So, let's thank everybody. First of all, we want to thank our honorary party members, Tanya, Sir Mox the Magnificent, Matthew Allen, and Shimmy Gangot. We want to thank our Shimmerscale tribe leaders, Eliahu of Merck Grove, Eugenio, and Lisa Diane Mercado Etheridge. Our Shimmerscale council members, Sabria Alston, Nat Rose, Tony A. Ellis, The Geekery, Lucas Hokum, Steffi Bernard, River Daniel, Stephen Mosley, Verpio, Kin, Jacob Vinkel, Sam Ellis, Rob Murphy, Aaron Stevens, and Thomas Charles, and to our Shimmer Skilled Tribes people, Harmony Bat, Lisa Aragema, Serena Marie, Dan Dillon, and Hannah. Okay, I think that's our most updated list, so I'll let Taryn now thank you and end the episode. We are so grateful for every single one of you. Thank you so much for being our patrons. And finally, I want to thank Robert Huff, our story consultant, who did absolutely nothing for these bonus episodes, but who contractually needs to be mentioned in every episode or he will ensure all of the characters die. And of course, all of you for listening. I'm your friendly neighborhood, Taryn, also known as Bria. And with me, I have Lydia, also known as Basira. Happy gaming, y'all! You know I can still hear the kiss, right? Nope. Yeah. Nope. It wasn't I heard that it. Long of a kiss. <laughs> <laughs>